we have so much to celebrate and so much to be thankful for. And so I'm just so glad that we're able to come here tonight and worship the Lord and, and to just read and study his word. But also, if you know Thanksgiving, it also marks a time when people go on social media and they post a lot of different things that they're thankful about and they're grateful about. And that's a wonderful thing and there's nothing wrong with that because I think that we should remind ourselves all year round all the things that we are thankful for, and, and this is one of those things. But also, Thanksgiving also marks another thing in my life, and that is that after Thanksgiving, it is okay to put on your Christmas lights outside. Finally, after Thanksgiving, you can do it. Yes, I'm one of those people that the Christmas lights should be turned on after Thanksgiving. But my family does not feel that way. Every single one of them loves right around Halloween to start singing Christmas carols to me, to start asking when we can put up the Christmas tree or put up Christmas lights. And they intentionally do this to me. And they love it. And they all say, well, when you're at work, you're going to come home one day and the Christmas tree is going to be up and the Christmas lights are going to be on. But it's all fun. It's all fun for them, and we just laugh about it. And this year, though, it's been warm the last couple of weeks, so what I did was I put up half the Christmas lights outside, and I got to wait for this weekend when it's going to be nice out to put the second half up so that they can't plug it in and put the Christmas lights on yet. So I can happily say that my family will have Christmas lights outside on Friday after Thanksgiving. <laughs> so Pastor started a wonderful series on a season of thanks. And if you haven't heard his message on Sunday, I urge you to go back to our website or to our app and re-watch that and listen to that. And so continuing on our season of thanks, I want to talk about the importance of living a life of thanksgiving. And so let's look and see what Paul wrote in Ephesians 5.20 tonight. He wrote, And give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love what the great preacher Charles Spurgeon said about this passage in, a, in one of his sermons. He said, Giving thanks always for all things unto God. For all things, whatever may happen to us, for the things which are the greatest moment, we should always be thankful and grateful. For the new birth, for pardon of sin, for the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, for all covenant mercies, for all the blessings of the cross and of the crown. Dear friends, a Christian has infinite cause for gratitude. And I say amen to that because that is so true. We have so much to be thankful for. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we are also filled with thanksgiving because the Holy Spirit and complaining heart do not go together. So there's so many reasons that we can thank God. And I read about a preacher who trained his horse one time to, when he says, thank God, he would go. And then to stop the horse, he would say, Amen. And so this preacher mounted up the horse and he said, thank God, and he started going for a little ride. When he wanted to stop for lunch, he said, amen. The horse stopped and he went in for lunch. He then took off again saying, thank God. 
He wanted to go a little bit faster on his ride, so he kept yelling, thank God, thank God, and the horse went faster and faster. So then the horse started going too fast, and it started going over to the edge of a cliff. And so the preacher got all excited, and he said, whoa, whoa. But the horse didn't stop. The horse kept going at that speed. So he started yelling, stop, horse, stop. And the horse still wouldn't stop. And so then he remembered, and he screamed, amen. And the horse stopped at the edge of the cliff. The preacher was so relieved about this and so grateful that he looked up to heaven, and he said, thank God. Well, we know the end of that story probably. And so I am so thankful tonight that we don't have to be fearful of thanking God in all circumstances, whether we're riding the horse of life fast and without any care, or even in those times when problems seem to have us at the cliff. We can say thank God and amen that if we can stand the pulling, he will pull us through. Amen? In Ephesians 5, Paul talks, about being filled with the Holy Spirit and walking worthily in the calling of which you're called and watching carefully how you walk. And so then Paul here in verses 18 to 20 starts giving us more of a list of things that being filled with the Holy Spirit produces. And one of the things that he talks about is that it will produce a heart of thankfulness. It's so easy for us to be thankful when good times are here and things are going well for us. But many times, we're going through trials and struggles, and something unexpectedly happens to us. It's a little bit harder to be thankful in those times. But we can be thankful, even in the difficult times. Because we, as passionate followers of Christ, know that God's purpose is bigger than our problems. And we know that His Word gives us the power to overcome our trials and our struggles. And from my past experiences, I know that I will grow through the experiences if I allow God to help me grow. And so because of the promises of God that we have, he promised us that he will never leave us or forsake us. So in this constantly changing world, with people coming in and out of our lives, with our finances, with all the things that are happening around us, we can be encouraged and thankful that he will not leave us, he will not forsake us, and we can rest on his promises and we can be strengthened by his promises. We can have a thankful heart, and as Pastor made mention on this on Sunday, I don't know if you read this or not, but he at the end talked about reading Thankful for the Fleas about Corey Tenboom and her thankful heart. It is such an uplifting story, so if you haven't read it, she wrote about it in The Hiding Place, and it relates to an incident which taught her the principle of a thankful heart. She and her sister Betsy had just been transferred to the worst German prison camp that they have ever seen, Ravensbrück. And upon entering the barracks, they found the ext it extremely overcrowded and flea-infested. Their scripture reading that morning in 1 Thessalonians reminded them to rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in all circumstances. So Betsy told Corey to stop and thank the Lord for every detail of their new living quarters. Corey at first flatly refused to give thanks for the fleas, but Betsy persisted, and so she finally succumbed. During the months spent at that camp, 
They were surprised at how openly they could hold Bible studies and prayer meetings without any interference from any of the guards. It was only several months later when they learned that the guards would not enter the barracks because of the fleas. And so complaining or thankfulness, the Holy Spirit produces a heart of thankfulness. And so tonight, I want to focus on three things that we can be thankful for, even though there are so many things, as I said, that we can be thankful for. But these are three things that I would like to focus on tonight. And so the first thing that we can be thankful to God for is God's goodness. We can be thankful for God's goodness. Because God's goodness to us should lead us to a thankful heart. Four times in the Old Testament we read, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And I have the Bible verses where you can find that on your uh, outline. And so it's a great promise that we can give thanks to the Lord because he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. One of the songs that we sing on Sunday, usually a lot of times, is called The Goodness of God. And it's such a great song. And some of the lyrics say, In all my life you have been faithful. In all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. And so I think that that's what we should do when we're feeling good, when we're having the good days and the bad days, is to sing of the goodness of God because he is a faithful God. Psalm 119.68 gives us a short but very accurate description or definition of God's goodness in two ways. The psalmist wrote, You are good and only do good. And so this speaks of God's character and his action. God is the definition of good. And because he is the definition of good, goodness is part of his nature. So goodness comes naturally for him. We call so many things good. When we eat something that we really like, how many times do you tell somebody, oh, you have to try this, it's so, so good. Elena loves chicken Alfredo. And I made some one night and she told me it was so good. I think it was better than Olive Garden. But we also have friends that we call good friends, or we watch a good movie or a good TV show that we want to tell others about. But what we call good here is still imperfect. Yes, even my chicken Alfredo. But God alone is goodness itself. And so that's why Jesus said in Mark 10, 18, only God is truly good. One way for us to see the true character in someone is by their actions. So God being the very definition of good, we see that the second part of Psalm 119 is true when he writes that God only does good. So this means that we can truly say that God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. We see God revealed in his goodness in so many different ways. We see it in creation. When we read about how God created the heavens and the earth and everything he created, he said, was good. And then he created humans and he said it was very good. 
We see God's goodness in our answered prayers. We see it in the truth of his word and in his blessings. Psalm 31:19 says, How great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavish it on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. David also urges God's people to discover the goodness of the Lord by personal trial and experiencing him himself when he wrote in Psalm 34, 8, Taste and see the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. So he doesn't want his readers to just merely take his word for it that the Lord is good. He wants them to actively experience and know for themselves the fact that God is good. And the Apostle Peter also applied the same language in 1 Peter 2 and 3 when he said, you have tasted that the Lord is good. So we see the Lord is good and he is goodness. And so that's our first point there of why we can be thankful to God. We see God's goodness in others. Jesus commands us to love God and love our neighbor. And so God has placed people in our lives for different reasons and in different seasons of our lives. And so the second thing is, we can be thankful for others' goodness to you. Who doesn't like it when someone shows kindness or goodness to us? It makes us feel good, especially in our world today, media that likes to focus on the negative things. And we hear daily the stories of despair and unkindness. But we need to hear stories of what Pastor was talking about, about all of those people praying at one united front for the people of Israel. And so those are the stories that we need to hear. We don't need to hear the despair and the unkindness in this world. And so this should remind us to not only focus on God's kindness, but also focus and be thankful for those in our lives and the good that they do for us. We cannot make it on our own. We were created to have a relationship with God and others. And so we should be thankful that God has placed people in our lives who invest their time and their wisdom and their advice and their skills and their knowledge with us. As I think about it, I am always talking about how grateful I am for our pastors and the time that they've invested in my life and how when I decided this crazy idea to go back to school several years ago and begin preaching, how each and every one of them took time to listen to me and give me advice and give me their wisdom and help me along the way. I'm also thankful for all the musicians in our praise band who've invested their time into Daniel when he was younger and began his musical journey. And I'm so thankful for Pastor Corey and Jeanette who do so much for our children. And they open their lives and their homes to make a difference in their lives. And I'm so thankful for everyone here at Woodland Church, our Woodland Church family, because of the love that our family has experienced from the first day that we began coming here. And maybe you're thinking of someone right now who invested their time in your life or in your family's life. And so if you are thinking about that, just jot that person's name down or those people's names down and thank God for them. And think about them because God brings them to your mind. One of my favorite stories about somebody investing in someone else's life and showing kindness 
is in Acts 9, when Barnabas, we know him as the son of encouragement, he befriended Paul when everybody else was wary of him because we know that Paul was a persecutor of the Christians. And it says in Acts 9, 26 and 28, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe that he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus at Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. So I have no doubt that Paul was probably hurt by this. He was probably saying, after three years of preaching the gospel, you still don't think that I'm a true believer and you think that I have some type of ulterior motive. Maybe that's what he was thinking. But he's been serving the Lord and he's been bringing people to the Lord. But Paul had a thankful heart and his heart was full of love for Jesus and those who follow Jesus. So he did not let that distract him or stop him from preaching the gospel. And thank God for people like Barnabas who welcome people into the family of God through their friendship. Paul even went on after this to write thankfulness for others God had placed in his life many places in the epistles. He wrote things like, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. That's Ephesians 1.16. Or in 1 Corinthians 1.4, he said, I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. And then in Philippians 1.3, he said, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. So this was a man with a heart of thankfulness to God and others. And so how many times can we say that I stop and I think about somebody and I thank them? And so what I'd like you to do is in your time, when you do write people's names down, thank the Lord for them. Pray for them constantly because God has given them in your lives for you to be and develop a friendship with. So Paul developed a deep relationship with the people of these churches that he was writing to. And his love for them was evident in the way that he wrote to them, the way he thanked God for them, and in the way that he prayed for them. And so we all should show our love for one another, not only in words, but in truth and in action. And then we can develop a heart of gratitude and thankfulness for those that God has placed in our life. That's why small groups at Woodland is so very important to us. It's a way that you can come and you can develop lifelong relationships with others from the church. And you can do life with, and you can pray with them, and you can have fun with them. And it's just a, a great way to develop a lifelong relationship. And the third reason we should be thankful to God is we can be thankful for our salvation. Of all of God's gift that he has given to us, the greatest gift of all is his son, Jesus, who died on the cross and rose again so that we can have a relationship with him and spend eternity in heaven with him. 
That's the greatest gift we could ever offer somebody, is telling them about Jesus Christ. Paul calls it an indescribable gift. He said that it's too wonderful for words. He wrote in 2 Corinthians 9.15, Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. So salvation is given to us in Jesus Christ. And I love this passage of Scripture because within it, we have thanksgiving and Christmas in these nine words. Paul is thanking God, that's thanksgiving, and he ends with Christmas as Paul speaks of the gift, Jesus, and salvation in Jesus that is too wonderful for words. Have you ever gotten a gift from someone that you were in total awe over? Something that you've always wanted, something that you wouldn't be able to describe to anybody else? Well, Paul is saying that the gift of salvation that we have in Jesus Christ is better than anything that we have ever received. There's no way that we can fully or adequately describe this gift of salvation. And our response should be in thankfulness and gratitude because God's gift of salvation is priceless. It's a free gift. And Jesus offers you and me forgiveness of our sins and eternal life. In Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it says, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not of ourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. So the word of God makes it abundantly clear that salvation is a free, true gift of God in Christ Jesus. And our responsibility is to receive that gift in faith. The gift of God is salvation in Jesus Christ. It's a gift that we cannot earn, and we do not deserve it. The gift of God is a new life that is rooted in and supplied by the Holy Spirit. The gift is for everyone. John 3.16 says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And so it's free. And the Apostle Paul said this gracious gift of God is too wonderful for words. And so I think, as I was talking about earlier, that we do Thanksgiving, in my mind, first, and then Christmas. <laughs> I think that Thanksgiving prepares our hearts for Christmas. I heard someone say, that Thanksgiving is like an appetizer to Christmas. And you know, when we go to a restaurant and we order an appetizer, it usually comes out first and we know that there's going to be something bigger and better coming than them potato skins or the mozzarella uh, sticks. We might have a big steak or fried chicken or something coming. And so it's bigger and better most of the time. But I want to tell you tonight, that Jesus is a better appetizer than we can ever have in this world, than anything. And that's why I love the book of Hebrews, because the writer establishes the superiority of Jesus Christ to everything. Jesus is better. Jesus is better than the angels. He's better than the prophets. He's better than Moses. He's better than the priesthood of Aaron. He's the new covenant, better than the old covenant, that they could never fulfill. He's, his blood is better than the blood of the bulls and the goats. In every way and in every turn, Jesus 
is better. And tonight, I'm telling you that he is greater than any experience you may be having, whether it's good or bad. Jesus is greater than that experience. And so this is why we can continually be thankful to God in all things. And so I want to leave you tonight with something that I read by Max Lucado. And Max Lucado said, A grateful heart sees each day as a gift. Thankful people focus less on what they lack and more privileges they have. Thank you, God. The grateful heart is like a magnet sweeping over the day, collecting reasons for gratitude. A zillion diamonds sparkle against the velvet of your sky every night. Thank you, God. A miracle of muscles enables your eyes to read these words and your brain to process them. Thank you, God. Your lungs inhale and exhale 11,000 liters of air every day. Your heart will beat about 3 billion times in your lifetime. Your brain is a veritable electric generator of power. Thank you, God. For the jam on your toast and the milk on your cereal, for the blanket that calms us and the joke that delights us and the warm sun that reminds us of God's love, Thank you, God. Gratitude gets us through the hard stuff. To reflect on your blessings is to rehearse God's accomplishments. To rehearse God's accomplishments is to discover God's heart. To discover God's heart is not just good gifts, but the good gift, good giver. Sorry. Gratitude always leaves us looking at God and away from the dread. It does to anxiety what the morning sun does to the valley mist. It burns it up. Thank you, God. Give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. And so during this Thanksgiving season, as we spend time actively thanking God for all that he's done for us in the past year and at Christmas, when we begin to celebrate the birth of Jesus, the greatest gift that we could ever receive, Thanksgiving should allow us to pause and set our hearts to worship and enter into the Christmas season with a heart full of gratitude, joy, and peace. And so tonight I wrote two things down for our growth work. And the first thing is, be thankful all year long. Be thankful all your thankfulness should be a way of life for us, not just limited to one time of the year. It's good to set aside November to share what you are thankful for. But as we read in Ephesians 5.20, Thanksgiving is not just seasonal. God's word is filled with reasons to why we should be thankful to him every single day. And the second thing is, if you would, please go home and read Psalm 100. It's the Thanksgiving Psalm. And so as we prepare our hearts for Thanksgiving, I would like us to meditate on Psalm 100. Try and do it every day if you can. As we prepare our hearts for Thanksgiving and for Sunday's message coming up, 
uh, take time to read and meditate on Psalm 100. And I also want to invite everybody to come on Sunday at 10 a.m. for our worship service. Um, it's going to be a great time as always. And I also want to invite everybody to our Thanksgiving service, which is on Tuesday, November 21st at 6.30. And so remember, next week, we're not going to have a Wednesday service, but it'll be on Tuesday. So I hope to see you at both of them. Heavenly Father, as we prepare to gather with our family and friends this, this Thanksgiving and Christmas season, I want to thank you, Lord, for the many blessings that you have given us in our lives, many that we have seen and even those that we have not seen. We thank you for your unconditional love. Thank you, Lord, for how you have blessed us beyond measure. We are so thankful for your unending grace and love. I know sometimes our lives can get overwhelming and hard, and it's so easy to become discouraged or frustrated, Lord. But we know that you are in control, and we choose to have a heart of thanksgiving and praise through everything. And so I pray that we continue to remember that we have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who's better than anything that we could have, who gives us strength when we are weak, and he brings us comfort in the times of our need. Thank you, Lord, for your incredible sacrifice and your precious gift of eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. I ask you that you renew our spirits, Lord. Help us to keep our eyes on you today and every day so that our lives may be filled with praise and joy. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you again, and I hope to see you on Sunday at 10 a.m. Have a great night.